Good morning, everybody. How are we doing? Good to be back with you uh, once again. Lo- lovely to see all your smiling, familiar faces um, and a great privilege to be here. Uh, we did pray before the service uh, and someone prayed that Craig would preach uh, well today. So I decided to nick that prayer, if I'm honest, because uh, I don't think he's preaching. I think he's on a beach somewhere, which is great for him. Um, if you have a Bible with you, we're going to Luke 18 this morning. So feel free to turn there. Um, and this morning's preach, um, if I'm honest, it's, it's maybe slightly different sort of tonally or, I don't know, it feels, it feels to me like quite a, quite a tricky one in some sense. It's, it's more meaty maybe perhaps than, than uh, I might often do. A uh, bit more teach, a bit less preach, but hopefully uh, keep your attention at the same time. Um, but it's uh, hopefully a useful one as well because um, the title of the message, simple title, is Unanswered Prayer unanswered prayer. Um, So before we get stuck into the text, um, let me just, I'd love to just share a little bit if that's all right with you guys. Uh, Often in church, we kind of have um, a tendency to tell the the victory stories at the front, the stories of the answered prayer or the stories of the great breakthrough. Um, And and by the way, we absolutely should do that as Christians. Like we believe in a victorious Jesus. Jesus has won, is winning, will win. Like that is totally legitimate and totally right to do so in church. Um, But also if we look at the life of Jesus, that victory was many times carefully disguised as a defeat. Uh, You know, it was was, uh, rejection, uh, and uh, suffering and crucifixion and then resurrection like that came after and sometimes uh, I think it's, it's helpful to just share the stories that don't look like victory that don't at least in the immediate term look like victory um, so I don't want to like overshare. It would be weird and unhealthy. This is not a, a cry for help. Uh, I have good people around me. Um, I'm not wallowing in self-pity. Very thankful to God. But, but if I'm honest, just to, to, to say to you guys in the room today, from, for, for the last year, for, for me and Danny, uh, has been a particularly challenging one, really in a ministry direction. Um, we, we just have been, you know, Things have not, I'll not give all the details, but just things, things didn't work out the way that we imagined, the way we hoped, the way that we prayed they would. And that's had knock-on effects in other areas of life. And I don't believe it's because of some sort of sin or, or massive fault in our own doing, not saying we've been perfect throughout it, but there have been challenges that you can't sort of go, oh, I caused that issue. Um, and throughout that, we've been praying uh, fervently, fasting, asking God to speak, listening for God, believing for breakthrough. And if I'm honest, at this point right now, as I'm sharing with you this morning, uh, we haven't seen the answers to those prayers, not in the way that we imagined that we would, not in the way that we were hoping that we would. You know, and at the same time, yeah, do you know what? I believe it's coming, but the reality is, and you'll know this if you've been there yourself, you can be praying and be still believing. And there's part of you that goes, well, I think it's coming, but, you know, is it? Like, it is, is that prayer getting answered? You know, I'm asking God to speak. Is he going to speak? Maybe, maybe he's not speaking. Maybe he's not speaking for a reason. Maybe the next thing is, you know, I have to go and die a heroic death. You know, a, a pram rolls out in front of a bus and I have to jump out and save it. That's unlikely, but you never know. You start to ask those questions internally. I took out life insurance just to be safe, okay? We joked there this morning. Uh, just a little bit of black humor to start us off. Um, but lots of us, I imagine, have been there. 
I imagine there's people that are maybe listening to this on the podcast or you're here in the room today and you are there right now. You're in that place and praying, believing. And I just want to say before we even get into the text that I know what that's like. But more importantly than, I, than me knowing what that's like, Jesus knows what that is like. Like, and I know the temptation and I know the feeling because you can be sitting there, you can be asking yourself, you can be like, you know, God, am I, am I failing as a Christian right now? Am, am I not doing the thing that you've asked me to do? Have I, have I missed something? Am I, am I not ticking the boxes sufficiently? Am I, am I falling short? Is there something that I don't know about that I'm failing in? And this issue of unanswered prayer, it is, yes, there's a, there's a theological and intellectual problem there but there's also this emotional problem there where it's like this this is hard to walk through as a believer it can be hard to walk through that challenge and uh, if, if you haven't been there uh, and you're not there right now I'm just telling you that at some point you have this to look forward to okay you might say Jamie you're not very positive I am positive I'm positive that you will go through this at some point okay Right, I, I am. So fortunately, the Bible is not silent on this issue. Fortunately, the Bible does talk to us about this. And this passage that we're getting into helps us, I think, understand that. So let me read it. It's Luke 18. And we're going from verse 1 to verse 8. And it says this. This is Jesus. And he, Jesus, taught them a parable to the effect that they ought always to pray and not lose heart. He said, in a certain city, there was a judge who neither feared God nor respected man. And there was a widow in that city who kept coming to him and saying, give me justice against my adversary. For a while he refused. But afterward, he said to himself, though I neither fear God nor respect man, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will give her justice so that she will not beat me down by her continual coming. And the Lord said, hear what the unrighteous judge says. And will not God give justice to his elect who cry out to him day and night? Will he delay long over them? I tell you, he will give justice to them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? And he ends on that rhetorical question. Uh, this parable is probably not preached a ton. And I think there's a reason for that. Is that right off the bat, it is annoying and disconcerting. Right? It is just one of those things because uh, often in parables we're maybe either not told the interpretation or we're told it at the end. This one tells us what this parable is telling us to do right at the start. It says that this parable was given to the effect that we ought always to pray and not lose heart. It's about praying persistently and crying out day and night. Now, what that presumes, the very basis of this parable is that there you that you when you are praying for things might not see the response in the way and time that you would like to see it if you could prescribe how that prayer answer would come you might not get it like that it's very clear don't get me wrong that god is not an unjust judge that he's not unnecessarily delaying things for no reason but at the same time if every prayer request that we had was answered immediately in the way that we would like, there would be no need for this parable. Like, like it wouldn't say what it says. It would tell us maybe to change how we're praying. It would say, pray better. Pray like this. This is how you can get it to come immediately. The parable doesn't do that. The parable says that, that we have to keep praying. It presumes that not every prayer gets an immediate 
manifestation and immediate yes in the way that we would like. Now, before we can sort of even sort of go about unpacking this further, we need to look at what prayer is, and and importantly, what prayer is not. Um, So I'm going to give kind of three things um, that prayer could be, and I don't believe it's the first two, I believe it's the the third. Um, So prayer could be magic, it could be meditation, and we'll talk about, I'm not meaning the biblical sense of meditation, or it could be miraculous. Um, I believe it's not the first two, I believe it's the third. What, what do I mean by that? Okay, well, firstly, magic. Magic is this idea that uh, all magic comes back to this, and I'm sort of using this in a loose sense, but it is, if you talk about real occult magic or whatever other versions of it, it is this idea that we can bring whether natural or spiritual powers under our control, that we, by fulfilling certain criteria, by doing things in the exact right way, if we, if we, if we have this mantra, or we do this, that, or the other, we can bring whatever powers are out there under our sway. We can make them bow to our will. We get power over those things. Um, I, I went to, to a very good Bible college. Um, it would have had some sort of word of faith influences, and uh, but, but had, had a lot of very good things. But one of the things that, that in hindsight, I would go got pushed a bit far was was what the teaching on prayer was. Um, when it came to prayer, that the verse, the single verse that mattered in prayer was Mark eleven twenty four, which said, "Therefore, whatever things you ask for in prayer, believe that you receive them, and you will have them." Right. So, and, and it was that idea that like, if you internally have enough faith if you if your internal confidence is high enough then whatever you pray for you are absolutely guaranteed to get if you fill your bit of the bargain you can make god essentially and it can i don't think they they wouldn't have put it in these terms but it can get pushed to that extreme that you can make god do what you want him to do by just fulfilling the criteria you can bring his power under your control and make him do uh, what you want him to do. Um, that can get deeply unhealthy, obviously, because you're never allowed to acknowledge negative emotions or be honest about your current situation because that might undermine the effectiveness of your prayer. If you don't have you know, sufficient faith, internal confidence, then your prayer will not get answered. And that's the sole reason why your prayer might not be answered. Now, faith is definitely important in prayer. Like, faith is really important in prayer. And contextually, this is talking not just about getting every whim guaranteed that verse, but it's actually talking about the establishment of the gospel and uh, and the church and the advancement of that compared to uh, the old system that they were under. Um, but nonetheless, faith is definitely important. But but I would say this, I would say this, prayer, prayer when it comes back to prayer not being magic, um, prayer has lots of principles, but very few laws. Right, lots of principles, but very few laws. Like a relationship, you know, like like if you invest time in your kids, if you go out and you play with your kids, you're more likely to get more back from them in terms of conversation. You know, that's not a law. You can't go, we've had three minutes of play, I want 12 words. It doesn't work like that, you know. If you take your spouse on a date, you're more likely to have, let's put it delicately, a later night. You know, no, that's not a law. You can't go, we went on a date, chop, chop. You know, that's not how it works. So there are principles, but not laws. So there's a principle of praying in faith. 
There's a principle there of like, yeah, do you know what? Faith might be the issue. But it's not a guarantee that if you get your confidence up high enough that you will get the prayer answer that you desire exactly as you desire it. Um, Sometimes we pray for things with lots of faith and we don't see them happen. Other times you pray for things with like zero faith and you see them happen. Right? I I remember once I was about 17 and I'd spent my pocket money and uh, I fancied, I I didn't work at the time, I was lazy, Uh, uh, but I remember I fancied a new pair of shoes and uh, I remember praying. It it wasn't even like a serious prayer. It was like, God, I'd love a new pair of shoes. And like two days later, my friend phones me out of the blue and goes, hey, what size are your feet? I was like, it's a strange question, Uh, but you know, whatever they were at that time, like I'm size 10 now, probably a bit smaller at that time. Uh, And he goes, well, God just told me to give you a pair of shoes. Uh, and, and it was like, they, they, they were like half a size, either too big or too small. But it, he was like, like, try them on. Now, and, and he brought round this pair of beautiful, bright orange and white striped Nike trainers that fit perfectly. Now, in hindsight, they were hideous, okay? I looked ridiculous, okay? I, I, they went, I thought they went perfectly with my Canterbury's that I wore all the time, okay? But realistically, my bottom half looked like, you know, Tony the Tiger having a lazy Saturday. It was absurd. But nonetheless, God answered that prayer. Despite me having... I, did I have any real confidence that that prayer was getting answered? No, not even a little bit. And yet, God answered it. So prayer is not magic. It has principles. It doesn't have laws. It's not a vending machine where you just sort of fill this criteria, however fancy that criteria may be, and you will you punch that in correctly, you get out what you want. It's not that. Secondly, prayer is not pure meditation. Now, I'm not talking about biblical meditating on the Word of God, soaking in it. What I mean is kind of the, the secular idea of a spiritual practice solely for your own kind of spiritual development. Um, after Bible college, I, I would have read a lot of books by kind of reformed guys. And one of the things that, I, that you would have heard a little bit in there and uh, that I've, I've seen quoted plenty online as well is this, is this kind of quote is, prayer does not change circumstances. Prayer changes us. That sounds very pious and very spiritual. It is also absolutely not at all what the Bible tells us about prayer. The Bible does not sort of say that you should just have this internal, you know, um, um, sort of spiritual experience. It doesn't have any impact on the outside world. It's just about you and your character and your inner peace and you developing before God in yourself. Like the Bible does not say that about prayer. It, It says that actually one of the main things that Jesus says in prayer, he says it over and over and over again, is that we should pray because prayer actually gets answered. He says, ask and you will receive. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open. He's saying, guys, prayer works. Prayer is not just about you having a nice moment with God so that whatever happens out there, it's completely irrelevant. It's not changed by prayer, but you get to sort of go through life with more of a sensation of God's presence around you. Don't get me wrong. Prayer gives you more of a sensation of God's presence around you. But at the same time, Jesus is constantly telling us things. He says, you will receive whatever you ask for in prayer. He says, ask the Father in my name and it will be done for you. Jesus is always, like his main motivation whenever he's telling us to pray is that 
prayer would actually be answered. He doesn't say, have this nice spiritual practice for yourself. He says, go after answers in prayer from God. So prayer is not magic and prayer is not meditation. What is prayer then? Prayer is, and again, I'm using these terms just because it's helpful to, to remember, but it is miraculous. Miraculous. Prayer is an interaction with a God who is, is a real being, who is all-powerful and all-good, but is also all-wise and all-knowing. He also sometimes has different priorities than we might have. He, he also sometimes has different timing than we might have. He also might want to do something more or deeper than we might ask for. And it is not, uh, let me put it in, this, in these terms, God's not our robot we're not his robot. It's a relationship. It, it is not about him just making us go through whatever he wants us to go through. It's not about us making him bow to our will. It is a genuine, real interaction. It is a parent-child, a father-son dynamic. Right? I, we have a, a nearly three-year-old Jack. Um, and uh, just imagine if your child spoke to you in those sorts of terms, either of the first two, if it was sort of that technique to make you do what, you know, he wants you to do. Uh, you know, if Jack came up to me and said, uh, Daddy, um, you said one time that if I wanted to go to the park, all I had to do was ask you. And I come with full internal confidence that you will ask. It doesn't matter that it's raining outside. It doesn't matter that the last time I was at the park, I bit that other child. Okay? It doesn't matter that you might want to do something different or might have a better plan today. I have full confidence that you're going, you have said that you will take me to the park and I'm going to make you do that in the name of mummy. Amen. Right? That would be like an unusual reaction. That would be an unusual interaction. It wouldn't really, you know, feel like genuine relationship. At the same time, right, if, we, if he went the other way and he came up to me and said, Dearest biological father, um, I don't care what we do today at all. If you want to stuff me in a cupboard and go to the park on your own, sounds all right sometimes, uh, but if you want to do that, I ask for nothing but to submit to your will and have grace to go through it. Amen. You would go, that's weird as well. Like neither of those reflect a genuine interaction because you're not really interacting with the person. There's no give and take. There's no back and forth. It's either me forcing him or him forcing me, neither of which reflect a genuine interaction. So this idea that it's miraculous, this relational side, it helps us when it comes to this issue of unanswered prayer. Because we're really asking with our real desires for what we really want. And yet we recognize that God is also real and also has real desires and might sometimes have different responses than we would, than we would choose. You, you've probably heard this in Sunday school, but three options for whenever, God, whenever you ask for something from God. It's yes, no, or later, right? And you recognize that with your own kids. Sometimes they ask you for something and it's uh, yes. Can we go to the park today? Yeah. Sure, that sounds great. Love to, right? Can I have chocolate for breakfast? Probably not, you know. And then he'll say something like, I love you, Daddy. And I'll go, chocolate for breakfast, you say? Great, let's go for it. <laughs> or sometimes it'll be later. Jack loves to sit in the front seat with me. And he often goes, Daddy, can I drive the car? And I go, later. 
Like a lot, like 15 years later, like a lot later, okay? And it's not because I'm anti-driving, I'm anti-bodies in the street, okay? I'm anti-you mowing down our neighbours. He would kill so many people. He really would. He'd do it with a big smile on his face, unaware of the carnage behind him, right? That would be the reality. Sometimes in this genuine interaction with God, he gives responses that we don't fully understand, we don't fully get, we don't always understand the timing, but that is the reality of prayer. It's not fatalistic, it's not forcing him, it's friendship. That's prayer. So that can help. I think that helps us, firstly, as a good starting point for looking at unanswered prayer. Um, because we have to recognize God knows things that we don't know. He understands things that we don't understand. Uh, and his answers will look like, they will reflect him as much as they reflect our desires. It's a marrying of those two things. Um, at the same time, one of the issues, and where this gets harder, is whenever there is a prayer request that is absolutely genuine and can feel urgent, and you're like, look, if any prayer request, if anything I ask God for has to be a yes, like this is it. This is a, this is a must be a yes answer. Like, it's, not, it's not a God, give me a Lamborghini, you know. It's like a real, like if I don't get this breakthrough, the business shuts. You know, like, if, like if, if this healing doesn't happen, the person dies. You know, like if, if the people running our civilization don't wise the bap, we're going down the drain. Those kind of prayers, those real prayers that feel like they absolutely have to be a yes. The interesting thing about this passage is that that is the kind of prayer that this addresses. The widow in this passage, she is... Uh, asking for something that is absolutely just and right. It is not an unreasonable prayer request. It's not a God give me. It, it doesn't ask the judge to give her the exact outcome that she wants. She literally asks for her day in court. She asks, she's not asking for injustice to be done on her behalf. She's asking for justice. She's not even determining what that justice should be. She's just saying, I just want this clearly right thing to happen. That's all I'm asking for. And what we would hope, and many times this is what we hope this would say, is that, yes, unjust judges might require you to ask multiple times, but God will always give an immediate yes for every good prayer request at the first time of asking. Like, that's what we hope this would say. Instead, we're given an example and we're given praise of this woman who comes back over and over and over again for the right request, the good thing, the thing that should be an immediate yes. And the message of this parable, if I can kind of summarize this parable, here's what it's really saying. It's saying that even if God was an unjust judge, it would be right to continue asking him. So when do you know that he is good? How much more is it right to continue asking him for good things? It is, it is that whenever there are good things, we are commanded, we are urged by this passage to continue bringing them to God in prayer. Like We would love if it just said, look, here's the key, guys. Here, here's what you need to do. Just come back when you've got a bit more faith. Go and study the right passages, and, and then you come back when that level, that internal confidence is higher. Or, 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 hey, don't even worry about it. Don't even bother coming back. You just accept that it isn't God's will and, and you just submit to it regardless and you, you stop praying about it. Like, we, we would love if that's what it said. But sometimes you know it's God's will. 
Sometimes you know that it's right. You know that it's a just prayer request. And you know you're not kind of walking in unbelief. And yet this passage tells us that you might still need to keep asking. You might still need to keep crying out. You might still need to keep saying, God, when are you going to answer this? You might still need to come before him every day, day and night, as this says. And this is what Jesus defines as faith on the earth, is when the people of God are continuing to cry out for good things over and over and over again, and they don't stop. And and to be honest, this is challenging for us. Like, but the reality is we're not given details. We're given duty. We're given a task. We're given a commission. You know, when you have a good prayer request, barring if there's kind of obvious sin, right, that you need to deal with that maybe is connected, or you get some sort of special insight of a thing you need to do, you know, I mean, it might be that you need to raise your faith levels. That's entirely possible. Um, or you get, you know, you have to take this step to see the breakthrough. But barring that, the thing that God wants you to do, if you're honest before God and you're not walking in unbelief, you're not walking in sin, uh, and it's a good prayer request, you know it's a good thing, here's what God asks us to do. Keep praying. Just, just keep praying. You just don't quit. We're told, we're given this, that we ought always to pray and not lose heart. With good prayer requests, we cry out to him day and night. Now, I can't give all of the kind of, here's why God is doing that. I, I don't know. I can give one aspect of why I think uh, this might be the case. We absolutely love people who persevere. We really do. We admire people who persevere. Um, I, I remember being in, in uh, Washington, D.C. We went to the Smithsonian uh, Air and Space Museum, and we saw the first ever airplane that took flight. It was the 12-second uh, flight that the Wright brothers took. Um, the Wright brothers were a couple of uh, bicycle salesmen, um, and uh, there was all these big multi-million dollar government-backed companies trying to figure out human flight. And uh, the Wright brothers decided, ah, we fancy a crack at this. Um, so, so they did. They worked really hard on it for years. Um, at the end of the 1901 test season, Wilbur Wright, one of the brothers, said, this is going to take another thousand years before we figure out how to fly. A couple of years later, the New York Times were following their progress and said, no, he's wrong on that. It'll be between 1 and 10 million years, which shows you the quality of the New York Times, by the way. Um, they, they cracked it about two months later. They took their first flight. And uh, it's a, it a great story in many ways. Um, but here's what I love about it, is that Wilbur Wright, he goes, this definitely won't happen in my lifetime. So let's keep trying You know, he's like, this is going to take a thousand years. We best get stuck in, right? And then they do it in like two years from that point in time. We love perseverance. And God seems to love perseverance. He just seems to enjoy it. There's so many Bible passages. Do not give up on doing good. For do not grow weary of doing good. It says Galatians six. For if we uh, in due season we will reap if we do not give up. We rejoice in our sufferings because suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character hope. We're told that you know. Uh, therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside the sin and the weight that so easily entangles and run with endurance. 
the race that is set before us. Like God, I think, oftentimes wants to give you your prayer answer with the gift of perseverance that you didn't even ask for. And that, to be honest, you didn't want. But that he wanted for you. And that perseverance, that is often doing more for you than the prayer answer you would have. The perseverance goes with you into glory. Like the, the reward for persevering goes with you. The prayer request is often temporary. You want the thing for here and now, and it's a good thing, and it's a right thing. But the perseverance, that actually is doing more for you. It is a gift from God. These light momentary troubles are working for you an eternal weight of glory. And it isn't the thing that you were thinking about. And God is using that unanswered prayer to give you so much more than the prayer request itself. He is working through that. We're not told all the ins and outs. We're not given that. But we're told not to give up. There are three legitimate reasons, I think, for stopping praying for something. One is it's answered or surpassed. You know, like you prayed for a car and you asked for a a polo and you got either a polo or, you know, a a golf. You know, you you got the prayer request or better. Second one is you don't want it anymore. You're under no obligation to continue praying for things that you don't want. Or thirdly, you got a clear no. The Apostle Paul got a clear no whenever he asked God to remove the thorn in the flesh. He just told, no, I'm not doing that. Sometimes, you know, if, if the person is, is dead and buried, you don't have to continue praying for their healing. You know, you can stop at that point. But there's an illegitimate reason, which is whenever there's still, there, there hasn't been a no, you haven't changed, you haven't had it answered. And the illegitimate reason would be to give up. And that is what this passage is urging us to do. Jesus ends in this rhetorical question, will the Son of Man find faith on the earth? What does he mean? He's saying, will the Son of Man find those people who are crying out to him day and night? Will he find the people asking for good things over and over and over again? And let me be entirely clear with you in this room today. When you come and you pray for something a second time, it doesn't mean that you lacked faith the first time. It means you still have faith the second time. It means you still have faith the fifth time and the 37th time and the hundredth time and the thousandth time. He is saying that that is faith. Faith is not whenever you just get the right internal state. It's whenever you keep coming back to this God who answers prayer and you say, God, I still believe and I'm still asking and I'm still crying out to you and I have not finished. And so our, our message from Jesus here is keep going. Keep coming. Keep coming back in prayer. The the only way the enemy wins is if you give up. That is the only way. You might fall. You might stumble. You might stop for a time. But never give up praying for the good things that God has placed in your heart. He asks us. He urges us. He commands us. Keep praying. Keep asking. As Winston Churchill said, if you're going through hell, keep going. You know, if you're praying your way out of the pit and you're still in the pit, you keep praying. You know, if, if you are in the fire and you believe God before you went in that you wouldn't get burned and you're feeling the heat, you keep crying out to God in that moment. You don't stop. And if you don't get your breakthrough, you don't stop praying for other people's breakthroughs. 
You don't get your miracle. That doesn't mean I quit believing in miracles. It means I pray for the next person's miracle. Hey, you didn't get your move of God in your generation. You pray for it in the next generation. But this verse urges us, keep crying out to God. Keep praying to God because he loves it when we pray and he does hear prayer. He absolutely hears prayer. I'll, uh, this is my, my last sort of point and I'll invite the band back up to join us. There, there's often pain, right? I don't want to just, sort of, this is not just chest thumping of like we can do it and keep going. There's often real pain involved whenever prayer is not answered. Uh, it, it is difficult. It is, as I said, it's, it's not just theologically difficult, it's emotionally difficult. If that happens, the reality is we're, we're not just given a when and a how. We're rarely given a when and a how. We're always given a who. We're always given a who. There's a big emphasis in this passage on the character of the judge. We're told twice, he doesn't fear God, he doesn't fear man. It really emphasizes that this judge just sucks like he's just not a good judge and um, the point is that if, if an unjust judge can be relied on to act a certain way how much more can God be relied on to act right um, as Christians right our ultimate hope we often talk about uh, faith for something or faith that something will happen which is absolutely valid. You should have faith for things. You should believe for things. But, but at its very center, our trust is in the character of God himself. It, it is not so much faith for something or faith that something. It is faith in someone. It comes back to the character of God. It is faith that God does rule and he does know what he's doing. And that he is good. That he is absolutely good. We're told in this, and this is, this is where it gets trickier and can't unpack all of it today, but it says, he won't delay. He will give justice speedily. Now, that doesn't negate the crying out day and night because that's the point of the passage. What it's saying is God is always on time. He's never late. It's kind of like Gandalf, okay? A wizard is never late. Not enough people have seen Lord of the Rings in this room, guys. That should have been a good joke. He's not like that family member who's always a little bit late for everything. We have one of those. I'll not say which one it is. They're in the room. He's married to my mother. God doesn't give us all the details. He doesn't give us the, the, all of the ideas. But, but let me ask you this, right? How many of us with our limited human sight and a bit more experience in life, whenever you've prayed for something in the past, and you've, you've, that hasn't been answered, and you look back on it now, and you say, well, thank God that prayer didn't get answered. Or I actually see what God was doing there. I actually understand that now. I recognize it, and God was right. Now, now we see that with just like a couple of years of extra experience, just having walked down the road that little bit further. Do you not think that, I mean, we see in a glass darkly, do you not think whenever we get to glory, then we see perfectly, we see face to face, that we will not look back on all of these things and say, hey, God, you were right all along. Like, God, you knew what you were doing. You proved yourself to be good. You weren't late. 
You're always on time. I, I think God deserves the benefit of the doubt. I think he's done enough to merit that. You know, if, if you're there right now, you're there in the pain. Let me, let me just put it in these terms. Is there anything about the person of Jesus that would make you think that he is not ultimately for you? Is there anything about what he has done, what he has given, what he has offered, what he has sacrificed that would make you think that he is not totally 100% on your side, even if the prayer request does not get answered the way you think it should? Like, he came here for you. He, he, He gave himself for you. He bled for you. He died for you. And so if he says, look, I'm good and I'm not late and I'm just asking you to keep coming back, do you not think it is our duty just to go, yeah, we don't understand everything, but we trust and we obey. And we come again and we come again and we come again because Jesus, you love it and you've asked us to do it. We don't figure it all out, but we know that you're good. That's that's our responsibility. With unanswered prayer, if it's a good prayer, if you still want it, it's not been answered, you haven't had a no. You have one job. You keep coming back. You be you, let God be God, and trust him that he's always good. Why don't we stand to our feet? I, I, I do want to pray for, if you're in this room today, and if you're listening, I know we don't live stream the 9.30, but if you're on the podcast, this is the one that goes out. Um, if, if you've been praying for something over and over and over, I want to agree with you in your prayer before God today. If, if that's you, why don't you just um, reach out your hands and somebody put it out in front of you, raise a hand, whatever you like, but just as a sign of saying, look, I, 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 I've got things that I'm coming back to God for that I haven't seen answered yet. And you you might have stopped. You might have stopped asking. Well, today's the day to start again. You stick it on a a post-it note. You put it on your phone. You pray for it daily because he asks you to. But I want to pray for you for those things because we do have a God who answers prayer. Lord, right now, I, I pray that in this congregation, this room right now, those listening right now, Lord, that you would pour out a spirit of prayer and supplication. Lord, that you would give your people the ability to cry out day and night for the things that you've asked us to cry out for. Lord, I I pray that you would give us, Lord, the answers that we seek. Lord, we're asking, Lord, in this room, we're asking God for healings. We are asking for financial breakthrough. We are asking for, for healed relationships. We are asking for lost children. We are asking for our civilization. We are asking for miracles. We're asking for moves of God. And Lord, I just agree with those prayers. And Lord, we agree with each other's prayers in this room. We believe that you know what you're doing. And we say, Lord, would you just give prayer answers today? Lord, would this week, as we go from here, would there be testimony after testimony after testimony of how you answer prayer? Lord, we trust you with all things. And we ask once again, in the beautiful, wonderful name of Jesus.